Good morning. It is Monday, January 27th, 7.47 a.m. I hope y'all had a good week. I know I did. This is my third, (laughs) third attempt this morning at doing the podcast. I had a really, my throat was just really scratchy. I had to drink a ton of water (laughs) to wake it up. Anywho, um, yeah, so I went to the White Elephant Sale yesterday with Andrew. It's our yearly or annual tradition. Andrew is still in town cleaning out his warehouse, etc., helping out at Adobe, buying books. So, um, yeah, we left the city around 5.30 a.m., went into Oakland, got there at almost 6 this time we were prepared. We brought some stools and extra snacks, which that makes all the difference because sometimes we've like just had like parts of a cardboard box that we sit on. We like, it's like pathetic. It's hilarious. Um, but yeah, I'm so glad we brought the stools because, uh, it had rained the night before and it was still kind of raining a little bit and that would have just been miserable. (laughs) So, um, yeah, there were somewhat less people in the early line, but not too much. But we so we're still pretty close up. Um, around seven thirty or eight, Andrew's friend Aaron, who's like a tarot card seller, met us there, and then my friends Amisha and Mitz met us there like around like 9 30 or something so the sweet spot (laughs) um yeah it was great it I had a lot of anxiety I always have like anxiety the night before because one I have to get up extra early and then two it's just a frenzy in there it's a freaking feeding (laughs) freaking feeding frenzy in there and there's always someone walking really slow behind me I'm like what the hell is your problem why are you even here do you even like to shop um so yeah I go straight to the clothes department there weren't any magpies there per se nothing too crazy I the price disparity was all over the place like some things were inexplicably over $200 for this decrepit it was a very not really that great of a piece some Victorian piece that was completely shredded all over and it was $200 and I was just looking at it and this docent said that's very delicate you know I said, just like your papery skin. I did not say that, but I was thinking it. I was like, just like your papery skin. Um, Because that would have been mean to say that. And it actually was kind of mean to think it, but whatever. Sometimes I don't always think perfect thoughts. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. Um, And there were a lot of other things that were great prices. And... um, I got some great ethnic gear and some beautiful dresses. Then I went to the accessories department and I got a few things that I think my customers will love. 
a little Fragonard the swing wallet. So it has an image of that painting, the swing on the wallet. I mean, who does not love that painting? It's one of my personal favorites. Um, and then there were some rabbit fur gloves or mittens and some really slinky like sheer chiffon gloves that I got and I got two hats for myself skipped the jewelry skipped really kind of skipped over the book department because I have a good book connection now so I don't need to where I can get books for super super cheap um so even though the books there were cheap it wasn't anything that I hadn't seen where I can get the books um what else? Oh yeah, I went to the toy department and got this adorable 1930s clown costume. And it has a long enough torso. It's it's like for a kid, but the torso is super long, so it, it like on a grown-up, it's going to be really cute like bloomers. I'm going to style it with a wide belt and like a giant hair bow. I think it'll be very cute. Clown clown suits are my bread and butter. Um, it kind of dried... The clown connection kind of dried up a little bit when Mission Thrift closed down because they basically had... I could just go in there and get a ton of clown costumes and turn them into blouses and things. But they shuttered their doors, probably most likely due to some form of mismanagement. It was a little bit weird. Um, the circumstances under which they they closed that it was weird um, and then I ended up going to have lunch with Amisha and Mitz and we went to Burma Superstar in Alameda I had these delicious rice noodles with uh, pork belly in it a lot of pork belly the portion was, was very good uh, Mitz had a a spicy tomatoey egg curry with coconut rice and um it was so flavorful it had okra in it it was quite a great choice um it wasn't a milky curry it wasn't like a coconutty curry it was definitely a, a tomato based curry and then Amisha had these kind of mild tofu noodles that had like tangy pickles in them or let's say they were mixed in just to be clear and the noodles were rice noodles with tofu just to be clear but those were so good like I love tangy pickle things um you know what it reminded me of it reminded me of this restaurant in the mission that they used to have called uh, yum yum house on Valencia between 16th and 17th and they had a really good uh green bean green beans with uh tofu and it had little slivers of pickle it was so good so good i like it when pickles pickle parts show up in you know incongruous places um in my food to be clear um yeah so that was good uh I wanted to address something in last week's podcast um, and also to apologize towards the end of my podcast when I was talking about the young man who was um, 
violently executed unjustly. And I tried to kind of segue into reading a letter, like a funny letter. And I just wanted to apologize. That was very uncool of me. Um, I think I, the, all the trauma and all the, uh, all the terror and the torture that that little boy suffered caused me to dissociate a bit. And I think my mind was just looking for an escape, but, um, it's really important that we continue to, especially as we're approaching Black History Month, to continue to hold space for what our fellow Americans have been through and uh, to continue to tell their stories and hold space for their suffering and um, not to push it away. And we need to be there for each other. So on that note, uh, I just want to remind you guys to each day in February do some research do a little bit of research and you know find an interest any interest in in American history any subject in American history be it inventions fashion food literature education science industry and Google that right next to black history and find something new, find out something new about a black person who made history in America, because we all need to incorporate that into what we know about American history because they don't teach it in school. All right. So I will be reading you the letter though later in the podcast because this podcast segue just slightly to a different tone so um also last week there the chiefs and the niners played each other and of course the niners won and that was very exciting for the neighborhood but there wasn't really um you know much room there wasn't really any real space to talk about it in last week's podcast so um people were asking me like oh why didn't you do a bonus pot bonus pod you know you're right outside there because the people were so fucking drunk that you couldn't even <laughs> they were un- their their words were unintelligible there was nothing it was just like <laughs> that's how that's how they were talking to each other and they were getting mad and it just it, it didn't like sonically it didn't it didn't even register. Um, I was also, also the next day, like Taylor came over and some guy was talking to her in the alley and he apparently, he was like describing that, you know, briefly that there had, someone had been murdered in a lilac alley, which I am not surprised by. Um, there has been a spike in activity in the alley. Um, first of all, there is this never ending presence of this guy who pretends to be schizophrenic. He's absolutely not schizophrenic. He's a total asshole. When I worked at Painted Bird a long time ago, he would go in there and try and hit on me. 
uh, and, and I mean, you know, there's no, there's no faulting someone for, for, um, trying to make a, a deeper connection with another human being, but you know, the manner in which he went about it was very annoying. So yeah, so he basically kind of lives in my alley. Um, he does have a home, but he spends most of his time in the alley and he harasses everybody there and he pretends to talk on the phone. He's, he's literally pretending he's not, he's not a mentally ill person who his mental illness does not include thinking that he's actually talking to someone. Let's, let's make it clear. He probably does have a mental illness. I don't know what it is. Um, but when he's in the alley, he pretends to talk on the phone. So I guess that's a form of fronting. Um, so that presence is always there. Um, people have put up signs telling him to go away, which I think is really funny. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, I saw your sign. Now I'm going to go away. Not. He has no sense of boundaries. I've seen him harass traffic, uh, the little, the traffic cops, the people that write the tickets, um, that go around in the little cars. So he's always there. And now there's like a bunch, now there's like a bunch of like, you can tell they're from the suburbs, but they, they all like kind of talk like Billie Eilish or something. So it's like the pseudo, like a pseudo gangstery, like put on voice. I hate it. Um, it's like, I don't know. I can't even do it. I don't even want to try to attempt to do it. It's a failure. Um, but they all, they hang out in the alley, um, and they try to make little, it's funny because they try to make little music videos, which is fine. But then sometimes they get violent with each other and they just add more ugly graffiti to the alley. So they're, they're somewhat harmless, but there is the actual element of people who are a little bit older than them going to smoke crack right outside of my house. So yeah, there's a new wave of people smoking crack. I saw someone chasing the dragon. I saw a giant mound of poop, you know, like near the trees. And, you know, I'm not complaining. I'm very grateful for where I live. Um, I'm just merely describing what I see, just to be super clear. Um, but the, fa- the, the thing that happens is, like, when you see the young kids, like, hanging out in the alleys, you know, being just, like, pests there's a, there's always ends up being like an inevitable crossover between them and like slightly older people doing actual like self-destruction. Um, and that's where it gets, that's where it gets worrisome. Um, and then about, I guess, was it Friday night, someone got mugged in the alley, like around Saturday night, so right before the white elephant sale, someone got mugged, um, and that was pretty disturbing, so, yeah, that's, there's a spike in the crime in my, in my immediate, basically, my backyard, um, and then there's, there's still, like, the despair, you know, the economic disparity of, you know, some really clueless woman offering 
think it was like a $7,000 award for her Australian Shepherd. And she had all these expensive signs everywhere looking for her dog, which is fine. You know, you're looking for your dog. Offer whatever amount you want to in reward. But I think she also had a blimp or something (laughs) that said, Jack, come home. Honey, your dog cannot read. Your dog does not know how to read. Um, and then I swear to God, I think that dog ran away. Um, here's the thing. She left the dog outside of the Good Life grocery in Bernal Heights, which is, it's a nice grocery store. I, I like that grocery store a lot. It's actually, it's kind of like a mom and pop version of like an early nineties Whole Foods. Um, and it's in Cortland, kind of on Cortland Street, like in Bernal, like, so up the hill. And I would say that it's Bernal Heights, for those of you guys that don't know, is kind of a, it's essentially a middle, a very comfortably middle class neighborhood. Um, and I think the average home there is now like $4 million. So yeah, middle class, take make of that what you will. <laughs> Um, but yeah, she basically went in there and she left him outside and he, you know, just like with his leash tied to a bike stand and someone took the dog, but I think the dog ran away because she's insufferable. So you have that disparity. You have like downwardly mobile, desperate people committing violent crimes And then you have this clueless woman not able to take care of her dog, but wants a $7,000 reward. And it's like basically very narcissistic, performative, you know, mess. So yeah, that is happening all around us, but whatever. I still love San Francisco. I'm proud of the Niners and I'm not even a footballer. So there you go. Uh, the, I think that people fairly behave themselves despite the murder that happened in the alley. I think over well, overall, it, it's a lot more tamer than when the Giants win. Um, so, yeah, I also kept myself ensconced inside. So, I am going to read you this letter. Um, this letter was found by a friend of mine who found it in a book of Keats poetry. And I think that they were, they, they must have presented the letter with the book to the recipient as a gift. So we'll start it off. Okay. I believe, okay. So just to let you know, the letter was printed on a word processor so I'm dating it to be like probably like 1993 or something like that um, because there is a reference to Billy Ray Cyrus in it. So it could be between like 92 and 94. All right. Sunday, 17 January, 1.40 a.m. <clears throat> Central Standard Time from... Annie Houston. A sonnet for Charlie with apologies to John Keats. 
and with some attention to iambic pentameter. Please consult page 363 in book Romantic Poems. When I have fear that I may cease to be in Boulder, Colorado, there with you, before my eyes had luck enough to see the spruce tree down at City Hall in true love utterances stated clear and bright, when I recall Dominic and Eugene and bugle at fetish and homebrew at night and think you may go near this seldom seen. And when I feel fair creature of a weekend that I shall only look upon thee while I think of skating slowly from behind and hangman victory, then on the tiles of the green and peach bathroom, I do think, I hope to God he spits it in the sink. Ugh. That was, that's just the beginning of this, this weird letter. Hello, my fair creature. Miraculously, Elaine was there to pick me up at Hobby when I arrived already faced from love rubbing or mountain wind or airplane exhaust or more embarrassment of riches and hot 65 here. No need for my extra special travel secret indulgence this trip back. And stinking of garlic and bites of a V-meal and coffee and tic-tacs and you on my neck and chin and breasts and in my armpits. I wasn't at all sure she'd get the message and in fact come, but I did not despair. If I call her, she will come. And root, she recounted a formal dinner party she attended at the Japanese consulate. Her spouse is a big-time VIP in Houston. She is chummy with Mr. Yokomoto, the consulate. Over the weekend where she met and felt dwarfed in comparison to some imposing figure of a woman, degreed from Vassar and Yale, medieval art, don't you know, and blah, 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 patrician profile, perfect figure, working on her second novel, mother of two, etc., at this dinner, they compared the architectural merits of the fucking overused, I know, east fucking wing of the National Fucking Gallery and some room in the Met, etc., etc. Elaine said she argued that the architecture in the former was indeed impressive, but did not in fact function well as a place to go and view art. The woman retorted, issuing words, yes, words, from deep within the horizontal recesses of her patrician profile, Elaine said she felt small. In reply, I suggested, despite my frequent trips to D.C., having never accessed said National Gallery myself, that it is unlikely that someone with big old art history degrees, such as Mrs. So-and-so had amassed, could achieve the distance required to perform meta-museum analysis. I thought Elaine probably held her own. Elaine is an undergraduate autodidact, very learned and wonderful, a woman who, to me, strikes an impressive figure mentally and physically. Yet, she insisted that she is cursed with a second-rate mind, with the intellect to know it. It is very frustrating for me to have such a friend, alive, curious, smart, funny, loving, pretty, if too skinny, 
etc., and yet so self-deprecating. This latter trait, not menstruation, is the real curse of Eve, in essence, under confidence. Ironically, she has built me up into some kind of icon. She says, and this part is probably true, but certainly not to my credit, that I am a freak in my anti-intellectual word-hating, except for the odd, and I do mean odd, oxymoron. Finally, she thinks I have profound thoughts, and that she, in turn, is dumb and callow. Agh! That's what I've been doing all night, reassuring Elaine that she is profound. Which she is. I say, do your work and set your own standards. Do not compare yourself to others, especially from Vassar. Buy some decent pillows. So, thank you for sharing time and sharing time and your bed and your laughter and your heart and scar stories and black adder and denver and boulder and mountains and ice skating and tender footing and lulling and wording and bodily fluids and margaret ferguson and love of noodles and tattered pages or covers or whatever it was and free pita and extra whipped cream and especially for lingering in bed beyond far beyond the requisite seven hours and for the real world and for liking my poor old academic body and apparently what's inside and for going skiing I love that double eye and spending your entire whole weekend conmigo, Quito. I feel happy and silly and merry and now downing the last shiner bock I had on hand and it getting to be 2 a.m. and all genuinely tired. So I print this. I lock up which Patty and I agree you ought to do yourself, and I fall into bed, dreaming of swishes on the ice, Curtis Brown and graph paper, battleship, and hokey goofy jazz as opposed to achy breaky hearts, and cute as a category, and who's actually in the Big Ten, and what were those less than innocent dreams of yours anyway? And where exactly did you go in Maine? And well... Just you. Fondly, A.C. Anne Christensen. P.S. You're still it. P.S. Too. I love Colorado water. And upon reflections, I don't hate my dishes too bad. Well, my God. What, what a, I think that letter's insufferable. Almost as as much as the lady who had the blimp for her dog who can't read. Oh, my God. There were so many run-on sentences in there. So in love with the sound of her voice as a writer. Completely infatuated with this person that she obviously had some kind of sexual connection to. But... 
It ended up in the wrong hands. It ended up in my hands. They did not keep it permanently. So they had it for a while. Maybe they died. Maybe the person died. But somehow it ended up in my hands. Um, but yeah, what a self-indulgent letter. There is so much to it, though, as far as Anne Christensen trying spending hours convincing her friend Elaine that she was profound. I thought it was really funny. I was like, oh my god. It's pretty much just someone bloviating at you. <laughs> anyway, um, we've come a long way from word processors, haven't we? Technologically speaking, in our communications. But there's always a desire to connect with words, isn't there? And it always means a lot to receive a nice message from people that you care about. I don't know if this person, the recipient of this letter, cared about Anne Christensen. But I can hope that they were at least shared, you know, shared some good times. Anyway, I have got to get up. i got to get in the shower. I've got shipping to do. I have to organize my shipping room. I gotta sew a suit. I'm starting on two sweaters. One is a larger sweater, so I have to make sure I have the materials for it. I'll probably get more commissions today on sweaters. So I said I wasn't gonna do the commissions, but I'm gonna take in a few commissions because it's Year of the Rat, and that's the theme of the sweater. All right, so I hope you all have a great day. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.